Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Today, Andrea connects with songwriter Wendell Kimbrough to talk about his creative process and the importance of sharing our work in an encouraging community. Wendell also shares an original song at the end of the episode. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Creatively Christian. I'm your host, Andrea Sandifer, and today I am joined by songwriter and artist in residence, very fun title, Wendell Kimbrough. And Wendell, I learned from you, it's not Southern Alabama. You are from Lower Alabama. Is that right? This is correct. (laughs) The distinction is very important. So you were there at the Church of the Apostles in Fairhope, Alabama. And I love from your website, it says that you are a songwriter and performer reimagining the Psalms for emotionally honest, modern worship. And your music makes space for the whole range of human uh, emotions and experience from lament and grief and anger, and then also into the playful, the joyful, and the celebratory. So I'm really excited to chat with you about your music and your process a little bit. And uh, we are excited to learn from you. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. This will be really fun. So um, let's just kick off by having you share a little bit about your faith upbringing and your creative background and, you know, kind of even thinking who along the way uh, did God use to call you forward into what you're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Andrea. Um, So I grew up, I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor, um, Presbyterian tradition. And, um, uh, I was like good church kid, you know, pretty, pretty much, um, rule follower, you know, uh, everybody was proud of little Wendell, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, uh, you know, I would say like, I was probably in middle school, high school before I like started to have a sense of myself as a like a person and a human and a broken person and someone in need of grace. Um, and, um, really from my, when I think about how that got connected with music, a lot of it was through summer camp. I'm like a summer camp kid. Summer camp was kind of where I found my people. It's like where I found like, uh, role models in the faith. Um, it's where I saw people leading worship on the guitar, you know, and was like, well, that's cool. You know? That's cool. I love that. Um, uh, and, and that's, and it's probably where I, I heard the gospel a lot, you know, in, in some ways, like as a kid, I mean, of course the gospel was preached in my home church every Sunday, but like as a kid, when it's your dad up preaching, like, you kind of have a way of just kind of tuning out your dad. You know what I mean? It's just, I hate to say it. It's like, yeah, no shame on him, but it's just yeah. like, it's like your brain's just kind of like, oh, it's just dad. It's like the adults in Charlie Brown, you know, so yeah, it really took like other environments. I mean, camp was, camp was probably the place where I most felt like, God's presence and man, I remember being a little kid going to camp and um, hearing the music. There was this lady who played, she had like a keyboard with like the drum machine and everything. Like if you just, if you just heard it right now, like a recording, you'd be like, that is the cheesiest, you know, early nineties phrase music in the world. You know, I mean, yeah, like a, like a Casio keyboard with like, you know drum machines and like <laughs> praise songs i mean it was pretty cheesy but but awesome for, for like seven <laughs> seven year old wendell i mean it was like i was like god is here <laughs> i was just like this is the greatest thing i've ever experienced i mean i literally remember just losing my mind i was so excited about singing the the praise songs at camp so it's kind of funny but that that was like my 
that was like my first, I would say, like experience of God in worship where I was like, this is this is special. Something's something's here. But uh, fast forward, like high school age, um, I had a mentor. Um, he, he was technically like the worship pastor for the camp. And I was like, a, I, I think I was like, maybe I was on staff or I was a leader in training kind of role. And um, I played guitar and sang. Um, and he really kind of took me under his wing for us for a whole summer and was like, let's talk about worship. And we like read a book together and kind of um, he just discipled me, you know, and kind of taught me about leading worship. And um, that mentoring is probably a big, that's probably the biggest reason why I ended up, you know, doing what I do now as a church musician. Um, so yeah, yeah I can gift. ramble on. I'll stop there. That's, <laughs> that's that's a that's a big part of my early early story was was, was camp and music and Jesus. <laughs> I love it, and I you know that that mentoring relationship. We've talked about that uh, on this podcast quite a bit. You know, and just having other people come alongside you and believe in you or pour into you, and and the difference that can make. And um, are you still connected with him? Yeah, kind of loosely. Like we're not like in close contact now, yeah. but I, um, we, um, I kind of keep track of what he's doing. He's a pastor, and um, I think he kind of keeps track of me too. And we we cross paths every every maybe you know three or four years or something like that. That's so great. I love um, it. Okay, uh, I, I love it. I love you know. It makes me want to send my kids to summer camp. Actually, uh, we have quite a few of them up here in Alaska. I should look into that because you know everything I say, I know it's want, 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 want to them. So we're thankful for other people <laughs> right. that God puts into our children's lives to, um, encourage them forward in their faith too. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So let's talk songwriting. Uh, it's really yeah. fun when I get to have a songwriter on because, uh, this is just the language that I speak to. So, uh, for other songwriters listening in, can you just kind of share a little bit about your process, your songwriting process and, you know, does your approach to a song project differ depending on uh, what you're working on? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and I, what I'll describe for you is mostly uh, my process of writing for a congregation. So, which I think is super different than, for me at least, and I think for most people, it's very different than writing just like expressive music. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, um, I I take a I mostly work with the Psalms. So, um, and actually, how a lot of this started for me was I um, my church follows the lectionary, and so we have a like a scripture. We have scriptures appointed for each Sunday, and it follows a three year cycle. For anybody listening that's not familiar with it, if you Google Revised Common Lectionary, you'll get the scoop on it. But it's basically a schedule of readings of the Catholic church, a lot of Lutheran churches, Anglican churches follow. Right. It takes you through kind of the story of the Bible in three years and then you repeat. So, um, uh, I, I really like that. I like the lectionary. And one of the things I like about it is that there's a Psalm every Sunday and you know, which Psalm is coming up. You know, you can pick a date any day in the future and know we're going to read that Psalm on that Sunday. So, as a songwriter who wanted to like do something with the Psalms, like it gives you, you got room to work a little further out, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. um, you know where you're headed. So, um, I started by writing these just short refrains for my congregation, um, that we sing and they're intended to be simple enough that you can hear them one time and kind of pick it up. And we print the lyrics in the bulletin, but other than that, it's just they hear me sing it, and then I invite them to sing it with me. And, um, I mean, I can even kind of give you an example to, sure. to help illustrate. So, like, um, grab, a, grab a guitar here. So, like, um, if I'm, um, let's see, this won't be the right key, but I'll do this. So, um, one for Psalm 24, um, uh, it would be like, uh, I would sing this, like, Almighty God. We long to see you open our hearts. 
So it's like four lines of melody yeah. and four lines of text, right? So then I would I would sing that, invite the congregation to sing it with me. Um, and then a reader would read the first kind of section of Psalm 24. So I'm and I'm sitting here playing the guitar. And they're gonna read, you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Which I can't, I don't have Psalm 24 memorized. Well, in this front would of me, be but, a true test. Bravo. Um, right, <laughs> right. For he established it on the waters and founded it upon the seas, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Comes next. And then after they get done reading, we sing it again. So, and and you kind of work your way through the psalm that way. Um, so all that to say, and this is relevant to your question. Um, <laughs> I am going somewhere with this. Um, my songwriting starts with a very small nugget of I'm trying to get a very small singable melody that somebody could pick up on one listen, and then I'm trying to um, I'm trying to kind of gather like what is the what is the core from a lyric standpoint? What is the core like emotional expression of this song mm. such that it kind of feels like a chorus or a refrain? that could work throughout the psalm. So um, that's where most of my songs start. And um, if I can get a, if I can get a, um, a melody and a text that are just simple, singable, um, and then my congregation, and I can glean from hearing them try to sing it, whether it works or not. Right. Then I take that idea and I develop it into a full song. Like that, that idea either becomes the chorus or it becomes verse one or verse two, and I write, I write around that. Um, Very so, neat. Yeah. So, like, what's what's part of the process then is like, um, I'm generating a lot of ideas because I'm writing through the lectionary. So I'm writing something every week. I mean, this I did that for three years. I'm not doing that right now every week, but like generate a lot of ideas, um, share them with my community, my congregation, and then let my community kind of help me sort out by the way they engage with it. Which ones of these should I spend more time on to develop into a song? You know, because for me, taking a song from start to finish could take 12 hours. I mean, you know, depending on the song, like I'll work on it one day and come back to it the next week, come back. It's like, it takes a long time sometimes to get a song from start to finish. For sure. Um, so this process has really helped me because it, it allows me to, um, determine on the front end kind of or early in the process, is this idea something I should sink more time into? Or is this one just kind of, you know, I love that. And move on to the next thing. So yeah. I hope that makes sense. I'm kind of, I'm totally because kind of there's a lot of pieces to that process, but that's something I never considered is almost <clears> like, <throat> you know, as I start a project or as we <clears throat> start into something, you know, and, and, um, almost test it out, like have people listen to it or try to sing along. And especially if, you know, if we're blessed to be able to, um, share music with our congregations as songwriters, like, to utilize our community and, and, and see how that goes, see how it's received and get feedback from them before we, um, cause yeah, songs can take a long time. And, you know, if it's not, if you don't have a singable chorus when you, you know, put in all that time, then there's a lot of work to be had uh, beyond that too. So I like that idea of testing it out, but it's been really can... freeing for me. Yeah. Cause I, cause imagine. just, um, I'm a perfectionist like my instincts are perfectionism, you know? And so I think before finding this process, like I would, I would literally work a long time on, on a song trying to get it just right. But there'd be all this insecurity inside of me because like nobody else has heard it. And so you're just kind of in this very self-referential space where you're like, well, one day I feel like it's great. And the next day I feel like it's terrible, you know, and, but no one, there's no other voices in that. Right. Know? We need other um, voices. And I feel like a lot of artists, just die in that space, you know, and, and the, they end up never sharing their songs with anybody because they, you know, decide they're not good enough or something. Oh, so. Yes. I just, I just, uh, did a co-write with a friend on Monday night and she is, I, I see her struggling with self-doubt and her fear of, you know, putting anything out in the world until it's, you know, polished and perfect. And I'm like, 
why let's let's just gift it to the world and see what happens and you know we can always go back and change it or redo something and um I, it was and and i of course i have struggled through those periods of insecurity too but seeing it in her it reminded me that we really do we we are blessed with the ability to pour music into the world and god's word onto people's hearts and we almost have the um responsibility to do that when he gives it to us and um yeah i i feel very honored to be able to share music with my church too and and to be able to bless them and sometimes we just sing it one time and we never sing it again but it's still a gift and um and then some songs i know we're going to talk about uh surprising songs some songs we bring and we never know like how it's going to bless god's people and if it's going to latch on and um grow feet and do mm-hmm. uh, something mm-hmm. amazing. So, so let's talk a little bit about lyrics because um, like you, I spent a lot of time in the Psalms and, you know, we, we believe that God's word is uh, precious and um, important and we want to handle it well. So when you, um, when you're approaching a Psalm uh, or any, any um, scripture for that point, um how do you ensure the original meaning of something is retained as you create a lyrical setting? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and one I've like wrestled with a lot um, to the point that I would say initially I did not write scripture songs because I was afraid of screwing it up. Mm. You know, there's that perfectionism again. You know, um, it's like, what if I, what if I write a setting of a psalm that you know misconstrues the meaning? Um, there's like a theology police, you know, <laughs> riding around with their blue lights on, you know, well, we're in my head, like just ready to like jump out and like throw a net over me and take me to jail, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I get it wrong, you know. Um, so for the longest time, I wrote songs. You know, and I didn't write stuff for worship. I didn't. I didn't write stuff for Sundays um, mm-hmm. for, based on scripture. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say now, like, um, particularly with the Psalms, I embrace a lot of freedom, actually, interpretive freedom. Um, and I think of what I'm doing as a songwriter as kind of like what a pastor does when he preaches a sermon. Mm-hmm. Like my setting of a of a psalm is a sermon on that psalm, and a thousand other preachers. And you were kind of alluding to this in a conversation we had. Like a thousand other preachers yeah. could preach on that psalm and preach totally different sermons and say very different things about it. Um, and you know, I think that's part of the richness of Scripture and the richness of the Holy Spirit and the way He speaks through different people to different communities at different times and places. Um, I'm definitely not a, there's one interpretation that's the right interpretation of of each, you know, passage of scripture. That's definitely not my take. Um, And so I would say though, what I do, um, and and maybe this works for me because I did come from a tradition that's very like, um, just high value on the authority of scripture and high value on understanding scripture. Um, uh, but you know, I kind of, when I approach a Psalm, I kind of do my homework as if I'm writing a sermon. I mean, I, will you know, I go through a, I use a study Bible and I, I look up cross references and notes and I, you know, if it's a Psalm that gets quoted in the new Testament, I want to read those places and find how it was used and, um, you know, if there's historical context to the psalm or, you know, something about David's period or whoever the psalmist was, like, you know, what this what was going on in, in Israel when this psalm would have been sung, like, those are all things that I, I try to understand and bring into just my, for my own understanding and information as I'm expressing this psalm. You know, because sometimes it very much changes the meaning of, of a psalm. It's like, okay, this psalm was a psalm that Israel would have sung in exile. You know, um, 
Well, that it might probably take shouldn't a... be sung joyfully then. <laughs> yeah, we ain't, we ain't going to sing this one joyfully. We're not going to be clapping our hands about this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even if there are some like joyful and like praise God things in that psalm, it's like this is a psalm of people in exile who are grieving ultimately like the loss of their home culture, you know, mm-hmm. um, the destruction of their city, you know. So, um. Yeah, I just I just try to I try to understand the psalm as best I can, and then I ask myself, what did this psalm mean, particularly emotionally, um, to the original audience? Like, what did it feel like to be Israel singing this psalm? And I use that emotional, and then I try to find that that um, an equivalency of that emotional experience in my context. Mm. You know, so if it's exile, it's like, well, I certainly know what it's like to feel um lonely and lost right i've had experiences that have brought that out you know and so i kind of try to draw out that that those resonances you know in the way the music's gonna feel um and i i really do believe with the psalms and I, i guess this could be taken out of context and sound pretty bad but i think particularly with the psalms getting the feeling right is is in some ways more important than like literally translating all the ideas in a given psalm um because god gave us poetry to form our hearts to move us you know so if you do a psalm translation and you check all the boxes of like you've got a literally correct you know translation of the text but it doesn't impact people and it doesn't resonate on a gut level um I just don't think it's doing what God gave us the Psalms to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I I kind of leaned into that. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that because it's, um, you know, and I think our, my worship pastor was really good about like when he kind of asked me to help with our Psalms project at our church, he would look ahead and just knowing my, my tendency (laughs) to kind of live in the lament space. uh, He would look ahead and go, Oh, there's one for Andrea that would be a good one for her to do. And uh, he would avoid the ones that needed a saxophone and drums and stuff like that. Cause he knew I'd (laughs) struggle with that a bit more, but I appreciate that about his approach um, and just his, um, his desire. Yes. For the emotion of a Psalm uh, emotion of a text to be captured. And I really appreciate how you mentioned, it's almost like preparing a sermon, you know, and, our songs are messages. They, they are our heart, um, about a specific thing, whether, you know, if it's a scripture song, it's, it's, you know, we're trying to convey the heart of God, you know, as revealed to us, if it's like a story song, it's, it's the heart of like what we learned, um, through, you know, meditating on a story or a situation, or if it's a lament, um, you know, it's, we're trying to convey deep emotion and, you know, the grip, the grip of hope, uh, that we're, you know, so it's, yeah, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're really, um, we're called to preach sermons through this music, uh, that we get to do. And that's really, uh, it's a high calling. Um, I'd never heard of it put that way. So I really appreciate that. Um, okay, let's talk. I was so excited to hear that you were, had co-written with Sandra McCraggan recently, and um, I know you're going to share a bit about that song later, um, but let's just talk about co-writing because it is kind of a tricky thing. Um, I mentioned, you know, having done a co-write earlier this week, um, it's always easier to, you know, sit in our studio basement and write something on our own that may feel easier um, but what are the benefits of co-writing and, you know, there can be struggles. Have you faced any struggles and, you know, what benefits and, um, hardships have you, um, experienced through co-writing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Co-writings it's, um, I think it's tricky. I think it's trickier than a lot of people give it credit for, you know, it's, it's like the idea is just, Oh, well, you just get, get some people in a room and you write a song, you know, um, I found it, I have historically found it very intimidating. Mm. Um, I think just as somebody whose art has always been kind of private, like, you know, like I, as a kid, like I spent a lot of time in my room with the door shut, 
playing Simon and Garfunkel songs like, you know, on repeat and like getting every single picking pattern and note right, you know, just very, very alone in that, you know, like very <laughs> zeroed in on the, on the craft. Um, and, uh, and as a writer, that's still definitely like where I'm most comfortable, like working alone. Same. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think, um, actually the, the co-write with Sandra was like one of the best ones I've, I've had where it was in person um, from the beginning. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to think like, have I ever written a song with a person in the room where we walked into the room with no idea on paper, nothing like we just literally started from scratch and came out with a song that I really felt was great. You know, I, I can't, that might be the only time I can think of that that's happened wow. with me, which I think says more about, it's more about me. It's not necessarily about the process, but, um, what I gen- generally prefer to do is, uh, I'll take, I'll have a few ideas that I bring into the room and it's like, here's three ideas. Does one of these like resonate with the other person or vice versa? Let them do the same. Um, sometimes it can be weird if you're both sharing ideas, you know, and it's like, well, do we like your idea or do we do like my idea? Like for a starting point, you know, it's all, I'd almost rather be like, I'm going to listen and you bring three ideas in and we'll pick one of the three yeah, or it's your you turn listen today. and I'll bring in three ideas. And yeah. it's like having a little bit of a, a role, you know, to start with. Mm. But then once you get something that you're like, Hey, we both like this melody or we both like this line or what even, you know, you've got some kind of starting point. Um, then you, then you, you've got a lot more freedom to kind of work around with that you know it's like you're both you know kind of where you're going you're trying to get to a song you know ideally you've got your context in mind Mm -hmm. um know what you're writing for actually i think that's pretty important for a co-write like it's is i think that's this is kind of what i'm getting at like um like if you and i were sitting down to write a song like what are we writing a song for is it a song for your next album that you're gonna sing you know because if mm-hmm. so, that's gonna that's what we're gonna orient toward, you right? Know? Or is it a song for my next album that I'm gonna sing? Um, it's a lot easier to do it when you've got a clear sense of like, okay, this has really got to work for my voice and my, you know, it's 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 like if I'm gonna be the artist that's gonna get in front of people and play this song, like, um, then I've got to really kind of the the process has got to be tailored around the end result or this is going to be a congregational song. We want Joe Average, who's never had a voice lesson in his life, to be able to hear this and sing along with it. Like that, having a clear sense of where this song is supposed to land and what it's supposed to be able to do at the end, like really helps you orient. So it's not just like, well, here's an idea, here's an idea, you know, and, and like um, anything goes, you know. It's like, who's to say, well, that's not a great idea or that's not a great idea if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish with the song. Yeah, that's really Um, helpful. And I think that's, I think that right there is what has been my biggest hang up in co-writes is not having a clear, uh, clearly defined um, end game, you know, um, or mission for a song. Um, Yeah, so that's, that's really good, uh, really helpful focus. And, and yeah, the idea of coming in with ideas and, um, I've experienced it both ways to where I entered in without any ideas myself and just got to partake of theirs. And it was, you know, it was great. And sometimes I was the person coming in with ideas and it's always messier. If you all come in with ideas, it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have experienced it where one of my ideas and one of my co-writers ideas, like I had verse content and she happened to almost have chorus content and it was a beautiful, like to watch it mesh together was exciting and um, so, yeah, I uh, I think there's there's definitely um, beauty to co-writing. Um, it takes work, and I and I think um, it takes a lot of grace and understanding and just. But these tips of just approaching it well, understanding the end game, and um, yeah, enjoying the process too. When it when it happens like it did with you and Sandra, just like. Um, 
walking in and getting to know each other in person and enjoying the writing process. It's really exciting. And you it's guys really, ended yeah. up with a, a real gem. So we're excited to share that with everybody. So thanks, Andrew. So uh, something that's not talked about much um, in you know, we, we all love to create, we love to write the music and share the music. And, um, you know, as authors, we love to, you know, authors love to write and share stories, but we often don't slow down to talk about the messy side of, um, stewarding these works. Well, uh, that dreaded paperwork. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of like copyright and like if you're songwriting with someone like co-writing like the song split sheets or even like uh, registering things with a PRO or an organization like CCLI and when is it when is it time to actually step up and do that paperwork? I think it's I mean it, you know I'm like my opinion on this is probably not worth a ton uh <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, we don't like to I've talk been, about it. <laughs> I've been feeling my way through it, you know, my whole yeah, life. Same. Um, yeah. And learning as I go. Um, well, let me say this. If you're if you are trying to make a career out of your music, um, then and you're a songwriter, you should definitely register with BMI or ASCAP, um, CSAC, whoever you can you know, whoever you, if you have a connection to one of those and do it. And if not, um, you know, they'll all, they're open to the public. BMI is open to the public. ASCAP is open to the public, you know? So, so like, you know, you can be a 15 year old kid writing songs in your bedroom and you can register your songs with BMI. And I think it's free. I don't think, you know, so there's no reason not to do that. Um, other than it does take time. You know, so that's why I'd say, like, if you're serious about trying to do something with music um, and you're actually getting out and playing your songs or you're getting, you know, you're like you're you're trying to make this your career. Like, yeah, you need to you need to get your songs reg- registered with one of the PROs. Um, it, there's there's very little downside to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So so um i think for worship writing and ccli it's a little different um the ccli process so like cci ccli is not a they're not like a public company they're it's like they're um they become your representative to anyone seeking to sing your songs in a worship context right it's almost like you're hiring them as like your legal counsel mm-hmm. you know that's that's like what, or your your lawyer or your you know your business manager or whatever um None of those are quite the right analogy, but it's, <laughs> you know, they're representing your rights to, to the world. So um, it's a more involved process. They don't mm. accept everybody. Um, like they are, they're trying to keep their catalog reasonable and manageable. And so they're like, you know, they're going to ask you, are there other churches singing your songs? How many, you know, um, what are you doing to share your songs with other people? Um you know, are you recording, marketing your music? You know, they're, they don't want 15 year old kid. Who's just, it's just a fun hobby to write a worship song and you sing it at your youth group. They don't want to sign you. They don't want to sign that kid to their roster. Um, but this is not to discourage 15 year old kid, but if 15 year old kid is like writing songs and playing them at camp and like, they're getting picked up and sung at other youth groups and you know, the, the music is, is moving and the kid is really serious about getting out and, and doing this, like, mm-hmm. and putting that music in front of other audiences. Um, then I think they're, that's, that's kind of who they're, they're looking for. So. Nice. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Cause I hadn't, you know, we, we have a few, you know, at our church, we have a few songs that are on CCLI and they are, they are the, o- the only ones on there are the ones that have been picked up by other churches. And I've wondered that, like why uh, my worship pastor, Joel, doesn't have the breadth of his catalog on there. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that's great. And, you know, and I think that's, I think the biggest point that re- I really take home is um it's worth it. You know, if you're wanting to, you know, really make it go of, you know, sharing your music and, and, you know, it's, it's worth the effort to take the time to do the paperwork and, um, that process and to learn the process and, um, awesome. Okay. 
uh, let's talk about gear a little bit. You've got a nice mic there. You've got, uh, you know, you've done a lot of home recording and sharing with people. Um, what, like if somebody were just looking to kind of get started and recording and sharing their own music, what would you recommend for gear? There's so much out there. Uh, it's kind of overwhelming. So, um, how about just some basic tips for people? Yeah, I'll give two, two kind of different pieces of advice. The first one is don't worry too much about gear. <laughs> like <laughs> if it. you're, that's that that's like you know this is me talking to like eighteen year old Wendell, you know, like hey man, just make music, you know, figure it out, like whatever it is. I mean, I the first few songs that I recorded. I recorded them on a laptop. No, I, that's not true. Actually, I recorded them on a four-track tape recorder. Whoa. Okay, but my first, like, <laughs> digital, you know, recording, I was using GarageBand when it first came out. So this would have been, like, 2000, year 2000-ish. Um, and I was using the built-in mic on my laptop. And so yeah. you can hear, you know how, like, the, I don't know, it's not necessarily true now, but, like, um... You can hear the processor, you know, or the hard drive spinning, you know, yes. and especially when you layer that across like 10 tracks, because I was yeah. like multi-track like, recording, zip, 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 zip. you hear all this like <laughs> stuff, you know, that layers on top of each other. But like, I experienced a tremendous amount of joy doing that. Mm-hmm. And I made some songs that are, still make me smile. Like I listen, you know, I can hear those songs and be like, hey, that was a pretty cool way to go, you know, 18 year old Wendell. Um, very good and uh, I think I think there's a trap of like my point in saying that is I think there's a trap of like oh if I just had this mic or this you know a better signal path or if I just knew what I was doing more as an engineer like then as an artist and songwriter I would be better I could flourish or whatever and it's just it's important to say like engineering and songwriting and singing and guitar playing and performing those are that's five different skill sets it's a lot know? of hats and very few people are good at all of them mm-hmm. you know and it's i think it's an important thing to say like you you need to discern like what's what are you going to major in you know mm-hmm. if you're like me and those are kind of those are like five things that i i do on some level you know which ones am i going to major in and like i've kind of majored in songwriting and to some degree performing. And now and now I see engineering audio as like a way second level priority. I try not to get lost in like, oh, are my compressor settings just right? And, right. You know, and now I've, I've learned a ton of stuff and I've done, a, you know, I've, I've done a lot of DIY recording over the years. So like I've learned a lot about recording so I can get good sounding results now. But... I've just learned about myself that it's important for me not to like spend hours of my time um, focused on the engineering because that's not what I'm, that's not who I am. I'm not an audio engineer. There are other people who have majored in that, you know. So, okay, all that to say, so that's my first, that's my main advice, you know, is like don't sweat it. If that's, unless audio engineering is the thing that you're, you know, that you are passionate about, which that's a legit calling and, you know, yeah. Vocation. We're thankful for you guys that do um, that. <laughs> yes. Amen. That's right. Um, you know, then try not to get too lost in that and, and focus on what you want to be really good at. But um, the other thing I will say in the very kind of on the opposite end of it, like very specific recommendations, I'm going to hold up a piece of gear. Okay. Uh, I happen to have, have this just sitting here because um, I just bought a new one. <laughs> so this is my yeah. old one. Uh, this is the Universal Audio Apollo and shameless plug. Uh, it's not shameless because I didn't I didn't make the box obviously, um, but uh, those things are great. It's a it's an audio interface, so like uh, it's real simple. I can plug two microphones into there. Um, it it is what everything you're hearing right now is running through on my my computer. I can't show you the one that I'm actually using because my camera won't turn to face it but that's my no old worries. one very good and um they're expensive uh for what they are but they're they're phenomenal and like having worked in a professional studio with like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear this 
this thing gets you pretty close to that that level of sound quality for you know around a thousand bucks so i'm a huge fan nice well that's really helpful because it is it's a vast sea of availability as far as gear goes out there and it's kind of helpful to know what works and what has proven its worth um so that's really awesome Okay, let's chat about Patreon, because this has kind of been a fun way that you and I have been connected a little bit. Um, And thank you. Yeah, Patreon is just one of those. Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love following along and uh, cheering you on in that. And um, it's one of those things that I think more and more people are curious about or um, are looking into. So what what made you kind of decide to head that direction? Yeah. Yeah, so for anybody that doesn't know, Patreon is just like a subscription platform. That's, I think, what they, that's the official language around it um, uh, that creatives use. And, every, you know, there's songwriters, there's book, there's authors, you know, there's all kind of creatives on there. But um, uh, what I do is I release a song every month to people who subscribe to me on Patreon, subscribe to my music. So, okay. I don't remember which tier you're at, but, you know, different different people subscribe at different levels and get different things. But everybody that chips in $5 a month gets the new song every month. So um, uh, it's great because it allows me, you know, I've got a steady source of income that I, I know. I mean, it fluctuates a little bit as people come and go, but, like, I basically know I've got a steady source of income that I can spend on making this music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I can hire producers and hire other artists, musicians to play on my songs. And, um, and I know that at the end of the month, I'm going to get a a check through Patreon from all the different people who've supported this work, um, enabling me to do that. So I can make a really high quality product, um, and people that are subscribing get a new song every month you know so i I think it's pretty cool it is pretty cool deal it's really cool and it's um i can imagine that that community has almost become you know it it probably feels like your your biggest cheerleaders or you know your um those that are just kind of listening in and following along and engaging and it's got to be kind of a fun community for you as an artist and uh encouraging to you i can imagine it's super fun um and it's, uh, I mean, I think you were asking, you know, why, or I can't remember what your original question was exactly about. <laughs> why about Patreon? Patreon? Yeah. yeah what? Why Patreon? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I came to it. Um, I'd kind of thought about something like it for a long time. I, um, I'd done a couple of different Kickstarters for mm-hmm. projects in the past and just realized, I mean, that's a huge part of what's allowed me to do what I've done as an artist, um, is having having a community of people that chipped in to, you know, I mean, I, I think when I made Psalms We Sing Together in 2016, you know, that album costs like $25,000 something to make, you know, and that's about what you sh- you're going to spend if you want to do a like fully professional album with, you know, with professional musicians who are really great studio players and, and we have brass and strings in there, you know, so there's a lot of things going on, but um, man, that was like super scary for me, you know, to spend that much money on my art, you know, felt very intimidating. Yeah. But, um, you know, Kickstarter, a lot of people tipped in for most of that was covered by, by people who believed in what I was doing. So, um, I'd had experience with that and realized that was a really powerful thing and it really helped me grow as an artist and, and do better work and produce better products. Um, but uh, I was drawn to Patreon partly because of the, um, the uh, like ongoing commitment level that it would entail. Mm. So I mean, it's it's um, I wanted the experience of having a monthly deadline. Saying, yes, deadlines. You, you got to so produce good. a song every month. Mm-hmm. You know. Because, like, my life is very, as, as anybody's is, like, it's very, 
I'm pulled in a ton of different directions. I've got a family. I've got two small kids. I work at a church. I've got responsibilities here. Um, and it's very easy for me to go long periods of time without putting any music out into the world. Yeah. You know, that like, that's just natural, actually. <laughs> yeah. It takes a yeah. lot of conscious effort to carve out the space, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, to record and, and finish songs. You know, it's one thing to get them 90% <laughs> done, but to, it's finished really when it's recorded and released to the public. It's yes. like, this is it. This is the final version of this song. I can't keep working on it. Um, <laughs> I need to be done. <laughs> it's got to be done. And and deadlines are really life-giving for me mm. in that regard. They keep me focused on the thing um, that I said I would do, you know. I love so, it. Yeah. Patreon's been great for that. I mean, I've I've put out twelve songs, or I'm coming up on a year. It'll be twelve songs. Yeah. Um, and I just like I looked back at the last few years of my life as an artist, and I'd put out from 2016 to 2020, I'd put out two records with ten songs each. So, in um, four and a half years, I the public had received. 20 songs from me you know so i'm in one year i've done half of that you know so i've I've basically doubled or quadrupled my output of of finished songs you know so and the the world hasn't heard all those yet they will you know the 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 patreon will the patreon community's heard all of them right most of them will get released as singles or be part of an album at some point so yeah um it's just a good feeling it's like okay, I am using this gift. I, I deeply believe God's called me to do this work, write mm-hmm. songs, record them, and share them with, with the church, with the world. Um, Patreon has helped me. I say Patreon, the platform, but more so the community of people who are mm-hmm. who are my, my subscribers um, has enabled me to start living into that calling more. That's awesome. And we want to have good integrity in our work as Christian creatives. And, you know, if we say... I'm going to send you a newsletter every month, or I'm going to, you know, you're going to hear at least one song from me, or you're going to get at least one poem from me or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it, it's, it can help us kind of, um, stay accountable to ourselves. So, mm-hmm. and, um, that's great. Um, okay. I love this question and I'm so curious, uh, because I always love what God does with these little songs that we put out into the world. So, could you tell us a story of a song that you completely underestimated, uh, but then when you faithfully put it out, God took it and just ran with it in big ways? Yeah, um, a lot of my songs, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, praise God. <laughs> I mean, just just in it, um, it kind of goes back to, I don't think I said this explicitly earlier, but like, I think a lot of times as artists, we don't actually know our work until other people respond to it. Yeah. Um, It's why it's so important to move, to be part of a community, to move toward community with your work and not hide it away and try to perfect it. Um, um, The one that immediately pops to mind, the song for me is a song called I'll Not Be Shaken. Mm. That's um, a setting of Psalm 62. And... um, it's funny. It's, I guess it's kind of a mixed, mixed, mixed story in some ways. When I wrote that song, I was moved by it, which doesn't always happen. I mean, I, I felt it felt very it connected with me emotionally. Hmm. Um, but I also kind of dismissed it a little bit. It's like I didn't give it credit, and I was just kind of like, "Oh, it's a real simple song." You know, I don't know. It just, it just didn't, I think I was, it's funny in retrospect, I'm like, I think I was actually just kind of young as an artist. Like now I feel like when something's simple and it moves me, I'm like, oh, that's, that's good. You know? Yeah. (laughs) But at the time, I think I thought that, you know, songs needed to be like really complex or, you know, theologically complex or musically complex. Um, but that's a real simple song. Um, um, I don't know. You probably don't. I don't know if you know that one, but 
but um a but it's one bit. of my more popular songs yeah and that's one that you know in the show notes of this show we can link uh different songs and you've mentioned a couple and we'll be sure to link that one as well so people can go listen to the simple beauty of it the, the impact of that song and yeah that's awesome i love that you know just um the idea of us you know just faithfully putting something out and, you know, not, not even fully feeling the depth of it ourselves, but then watching, watching it impact other people's lives. And I think it just speaks to the, the faithful obedience of this work. Um, and it's, yes. it's, it's a huge encouragement just to keep doing the work, keep writing the songs, keep sharing and trusting God with them. Um, that's really, that's awesome. Okay, so this will probably air kind of at the beginning of a new year. Uh, I, it's hard to even say 2022. That sounds very weird on my tongue right now. But um, what upcoming project are you most excited about? Yeah. Um, I just was sitting and looking at all the songs I've recorded for Patreon over the last year and thinking about how I'm going to release them, you know, what I'm going to what's the the plan you know and trying trying to put together a plan um i've got a lot of individual songs that i'm excited about and i'll just tell you i mean what i'm what i am planning to do over the next year for the foreseeable future is is to start releasing those songs as singles Hmm. um and that's really different for me i'm an album guy like i tend to listen to albums you know and that's kind of how i'm that's how I engage with music for the most part. But um, uh, I think, you know, it's a different economy now. So much is driven by streaming and Spotify. and For sure. Um, new releases, you know, the frequency of new releases is a part of how your music gets, gets out to people. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a little experimental to do it that way, but that's that's what I'm that's what I'm planning to do: is start releasing singles. So, and I'm really excited about that. I'm seeing how those songs land with people. Um, uh, the other kind of just immediate project that comes to mind though is um, I kind of stumbled into, and you'll know this because you're you're on, you're on my Patreon, you've heard these, but like kind of stumbled into doing some uh, like Irish folk music in the last year super fun um or just you know irish folk influenced um psalm settings basically mm-hmm. and um i've never done music like that before i mean i i it's deep in my bones like i was a like some of my earliest musical memories are of like dancing in my underwear as a like <laughs> three-year-old to the chieftains you know there's like video of wendell you know in his diapers like dancing to the chieftains you know i just fabulous so that music is like in my blood you know like is that I, something I, we could link in the show notes is that <laughs> no, video somewhere <laughs> not on youtube not on youtube oh, uh, no but that's like you know uh and then and then you know i guess i was a i was like a teenager in the mid 90s and like braveheart you know and there was this whole mm-hmm. like resurgence Bagpipes. of like yeah. celtic music in in american culture and um I started going with my cousins to the Celtic Arts and Music Festival in Jackson, Mississippi every year mm. and go into the Kaylee dances where they'd have a huge band with like 20 musicians playing and just doing all these traditional jigs and reels. And like, so that music is like very much in my like biography as a musician, you know, like it's in my, it's in my blood, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not, I've never done anything professionally uh, that was like had my name on it that was that style of music so kind of just stumbled into that this year um one of the producers I worked with was like you know this song I could kind of hear it you know going this direction and I was like huh that's really Fine. interesting let's try it and I did it you know we did it and I loved it so then we did another song that way anyway long story short I'm I'm planning to do probably like an EP um, probably like a five song EP of Irish folk songs. I've got a couple of those recorded. Um, it'll probably be mostly psalms done in that style. Uh, and the, the two that we've done are just, I, I smile every time I listen to them. They're just oh, so much fun for me. Perfect. So I, I can't wait for people to hear them. Oh, I look forward to that. That is like that genre just, oh. And every time like I write something, somebody will come up to me and go like, 
are you Irish? And I'm like, no, not even, but uh, I'm glad that's what's coming out because it's like my favorite thing in the world. So I really look forward to that so much. Um, Cool. Well, then uh, you've mentioned a few things, you know, that, you know, our uh, listeners can connect with you in various ways. We'll link your Patreon and I know you've got YouTube and stuff, um, a channel there. Um, How about social uh, media platforms or website uh, that we could share too? Yeah, WendellK.com, W-E-N-D-E-L-L-K.com. Great. Um, is my website. And um, one thing I'll say is that I give away chord charts and lead sheets for all my music on my website. You just have oh, to sign up for my email list. So That's generous. Um, Very good. So if you, if you want to use any of my music in your church, um, you can get all the resources you need there for free. Fabulous. So, cool. All right. And then can you tell uh, everybody a little bit about the song that you're going to share with us today? Yeah. Yeah. So this is called, um, it's called See How Good It Is. It's based on Psalm 133. I'm going to pull it up real quick so I can make sure I sing all the right lyrics. (laughs) Um, But uh, this is the song I co-wrote with Sandra McCracken. Um, We wrote a gathering uh, called the Porter's Gate. And there were a bunch of artists, songwriters, theologians um, gathered at this thing. And um, Sandra and I got paired up to write. And uh, the theme of the time was, um, I'm trying to think of how they put it, community, love, Mm -hmm. um, kind of the church as a family, the church as a welcoming family. and so this was one of the scriptures that just immediately came to mind for me. And that's how we ended up on Psalm 133. But um, we um, we wrote the song in 2019, you know, it was before COVID. Wow. And a lot of the song is celebrating the goodness of gathering with friends, welcoming strangers, you know, things that we've not been able to do very much of in the pandemic. So it kind of became a like a bittersweet kind of anthem for me in some ways um and uh i realized in 20 early 2021 it was time to record it and share it um with the world so um let me grab a guitar i just just released this uh sandra and i did um uh it came out as a single october one and um we uh it's great christianity today picked it up and Release the music video that that went with it. Um, so that Which was we really, will link because everybody really needs to watch that video. It it is flooring. I love it. So really excited to have you share this with everybody today. Thanks. Yeah, the, it's a guy named Andy Yu, who's a um, pastor and filmmaker who put that video together, and it, I cried the first time I saw it. <laughs> this was like. Wow, it's beautiful. It paints the picture that this song is trying to paint. So, There's that emotion again. Yeah, there it is. Um, all right, so this is called See How Good It Is. God's children live 
Yeah, thank you, Andrea. <sighs> okay, that felt like just a big old hug from the Lord. Um, let's close in prayer today. Uh, I would love to pray for you and what you've got going on and just thank God thank for you. what you're up to. Uh, let's go to prayer. Well, Father God, thank you so much for this time with Wendell today. And thank you for the story that you're writing in his life and his work. Um, thank you for the songs that you've given him and that he is graciously gifting to us as your people, as an encouragement. Um, we just pray that uh, you would continue to guide him and lead him in the ways that you desire uh, for him to to write and share and um Thank you for his love for the Psalms and for your word. It richly blesses us when we can have your words written on our hearts through the melodies that um, pierce beyond our comprehension, just the power of music. And we're, we're just so thankful for his work and how it impacts us in beautiful ways that draw us closer to you. We pray for his upcoming projects uh, and pursuing um, different styles that are exciting and new and different and we just we look forward to that and we pray uh your blessing over the days ahead and um yeah just thank you again so much for this time to connect with Wendell today and we praise you for your blessings in this life the opportunity to do life with each other and to learn and um be encouraged by one another uh, it's such a gift lord we pray this in jesus name Amen. Amen. All right, Thanks, Wendell. Andrea. Yeah, my pleasure. And I, I always love to end uh, my episodes, not only with prayer, but then just kind of handing the mic back to you. And, you know, our community of Christian creatives, you know, there's a lot of us that we're kind of unsure in, you know, what we're doing. We're not sure how to share or what to share, or even if we should share um, what God asks us to create and do, um, what would your encouragement be uh, to kind of close this out? Hmm. I would say being creative is your birthright. Hmm. It's, it's who God made you to be. Um, it doesn't mean everybody's going to pay their bills with their art, um, but don't let that, um, don't let however much money or recognition or lack thereof that you're receiving uh, speak to your value or the value of you creating. Um, I just think it's it's God's delight. We're made in his image. He's a creator and we're made to create. And um, the other thing I'd say is just don't, don't go it alone, you know, mm. which even if you're just tuning into this podcast, you're doing something to reach out. But um, um care for yourself by putting yourself in the way of people who will love you and care for you. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. 
like take care of your artist's soul, take care of your creative spirit by finding and being around people who encourage you and make you feel supported and um, who believe in what you do. You know, just you cannot do it alone. You can't you can't go it alone. Amen. Thank you, Wendell. That's a huge encouragement to me. I know it'll be encouraging to others. So yeah, so good to connect with you. And oh yeah, everybody check out the show notes. There's gonna be a lot of goodies there. I promise. Except for the video of you dancing as a kid that that will not unfortunately not be there. I don't think so. Not allowed. Okay, Wendell, thank you so much for your time. And um, we look forward to hearing more from you very much. Appreciate it, Andrea. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. To find all the links and resources that were mentioned in today's episode, visit our website at theophanymedia.com forward slash Wendell. To support the show and join our patron community, where you'll get extra access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com forward slash creatively christian creatively christian is a product of theophany media you can find out more at theophanymedia.com this show is hosted by brandon hollingsworth andrea sandifer dave ebert and rachel oxborough our logo is by bill brooks bill brooks and andrea sandifer did our music and jake doberins produces and edits the show